right. I know it's a little early to be talking about Christmas, but um, Walmart already has Christmas stuff up, right? So um, the reason we do that is because those shoe boxes are due actually before Thanksgiving. It takes, we need to get them early so that we can get them out by Christmas time. So um, we highly encourage you to pack a shoe box. If you want more information, you can see Carmel up here in the corner after the service. She'd be happy, more than happy to talk to you about it. Well, good morning, TBA. How are y'all this morning? Everybody good? That good. Awesome. Well, my my name is Dave Shive. I'm one of the pastors here. It's an honor to to worship with you this morning. Today, we're going to continue in our Experiencing God study, and we're really getting into some really good stuff. I know all of it's good, but for me, these next few weeks, they were really life-changing for me when I first went through Experiencing God. So I hope... I hope and pray that you're keeping up with your homework and you're committed to the process because I promise you, if you do that, I promise you it'll be worth it. So today we're going to be talking about God speaking through our circumstances. And before we get into that, I want to tell you a story. Now some of you may have already heard this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I think it really helps set the stage for what we're going to talk about today. Almost 20 years ago, Ashley and I got married. And Ashley and I knew from the very beginning of our marriage that we wanted to have kids. It was a desire that God had put on both of our hearts. So it wasn't long after our marriage that we started to try to conceive a child. But after a number of years of trying, we were still unable to conceive. Visits to fertility specialists showed that there was nothing wrong medically with either one of us. There was no medical reason why we should not be able to have a child. But no matter what we did or what fertility treatments we tried, we just couldn't seem to conceive. And after a lot of prayers of asking God why we couldn't conceive and not getting any real answers, we began to think that maybe God had a different plan for us. And so we decided to explore this idea of adoption. But there's a problem with adoption in America. One, there are very few infants in America to adopt. And two, it's very, very, very expensive. So our plan was to adopt an older child through the state because that's free. And in the process of doing that, we had to have a home study completed in order to be eligible for adoption. And instead of using the state social worker to do our home study, we decided that we wanted a a Christian agency to do our home study. So we called up Christian Family Services and they sent Cindy, our social worker, to our house to begin our home study. And while she was interviewing us, She asked us, wouldn't you be interested in adopting an infant instead of an older child? We said, of course we would, but, you know, the cost is so much, and there's not a lot of babies to adopt. And she told us that her agency was always looking for good Christian families to put on their adoption list, and that they only did infant adoption. So we told her we'd love to go on our list, and we completed the paperwork And we made our adoption book, which is a book that you give to birth mothers to help them choose which family they would like to give their child to. And we were told that it usually takes about two years before you get a call. You're on the waiting list on an average of about two years. So we settled in for a very long wait. Three days later, we get a call, come to the hospital and pick up your new daughter. Three days. And that's when all the scrambling begins. What are we going to name her? We don't have any baby stuff. There's no nursery ready. There's no bottles, no diapers, no clothes, nothing. 
So we rushed to get a few simple things in place, including this really nice pink girly outfit to bring her home. And we pick out this beautiful girly name, Megan Elizabeth. Megan Elizabeth, that's what we were going to name her. And then Ashley is asked to be in the delivery room by the birth mother during the birth because the birth mother wanted Ashley to be the first one to hold the baby once it was born. And so the baby's born, and my wife goes, it's a boy, not a girl. And so the scramble continues to get a new outfit and pick out a boy's name. And it was definitely, definitely a wild ride. But even in the midst of all that chaos, there was such joy and excitement. See, God had answered our prayers, and we were going to be parents. And it's hard to describe the joy that we had. It's hard to describe that bond that we immediately had with Alex. He was our son. And God gave him to us. He even looked like us. It didn't matter that he was adopted. He was our child all the same. And then the call came. See, because it takes a few months to finalize an adoption, they do home visits every month. And they come to your home just to make sure everything's going well. And we had Alex for three months. And we had just finished our third home visit. And then we'd get a call from the adoption agency. And they wanted to come by and talk with us at our home. Now, like I said, we just had a visit. So we asked why they wanted to come by. And they said they couldn't talk about it over the phone and asked if we would be available after work that night. Well, Ashley couldn't wait because she knew something was wrong. She told them to come right now. She said, you just need to come right now. We'll leave work. Come right now. See, initially when the adoption papers were drawn up, the father of the child was unknown. So they have to go through this process to try to identify who the father is before they terminate rights. And the birth mother claimed that the father was a one-night stand at a party that she was invited to by a friend. And she didn't know who this person was or where this person lived or what even his last name was. But when the adoption agency shows up at her house that night, her story had changed. Supposedly, she had lied to her current boyfriend and hid the pregnancy from him and now claimed that he was the father. Well, of course, once he found out, he got a lawyer and demanded his child back. And so a paternity test was scheduled and our world crashed in on itself. They were going to take our baby boy away. And Ashley collapsed to the ground in complete agony, and began to wail in sorrow. I've never seen anything like it. Do you ever wish that you had a direct line of communication with God? Does anybody remember that old Batman TV series? Do you remember the Bat Phone? Does anybody remember that? It was anytime there was trouble, Commissioner Gordon would pick that phone up and have a direct line to Batman. It didn't even have numbers on the dial. Because it was a direct line to Batman. Do you ever wish you had a phone like that with God? Or at least a direct email address to him? I know that's how I felt that day. Man, I needed to speak to God. And I needed God to speak to me. And I needed it fast. Because I can tell you my first response wasn't one of trust. It wasn't one of seeking God's will. My first response was anger. I was mad. I was mad at God. I was so angry with him. 
See, my prayer wasn't a prayer of seeking understanding. It was a prayer of accusation. Why, God? Why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? Where are you? Aren't you supposed to protect us from things like this? Didn't you lead us to adopt? Didn't you miraculously bring this child to us? So why are you taking him away now? And God's response to me was silence. Nothing. No answer. At least that's how I felt. See, but the truth of it is, as I look back on it and reflect, it wasn't that God wasn't speaking, because I believe that God was speaking in my circumstances Even before my circumstances, he was speaking. I believe that God is always speaking. And the real question was and is, am I in a position to hear what he has to say? See, I was so angry about the situation. I was so concerned about how to fix it, how to make it all right. I was so worried about the future that I was unable to see what God was doing. So how does God speak to us, especially in moments like these? Brian talked about it last week, and I want to make sure we got what he said because it's foundational in understanding how to know what God is trying to say in our circumstances. If you remember last week, we talked about how in the Old Testament that God spoke in many different ways through angels and visions, miraculous signs and prophets. But then Jesus comes onto the scene and we're able to see God and understand God because he's God in the form of man. He's flesh right before us. And then Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. He's resurrected, he ascends to heaven, but he promises to send one equal to him, namely the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, who is equal to God and Jesus, who's part of the Trinity, is sent to us as our advocate, as our interpreter. He's the one who leads us into all truth and understanding. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 10 says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we, we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. See, God reveals his truth of his word through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the divine author of Scripture. He's the one who inspired the authors of the Bible. The message is entirely his. His revelation to us is God's word. See, only God's own spirit can know him intimately, and the Spirit of God, the one who intimately knows the depths of God and the thoughts of God, God sent that that person to us to reveal his wisdom to us. And the Bible is the Spirit's vehicle for bringing God's revelation to us. And this is foundational. You have to get it. This is foundational. It's the core of all of it. God speaks through the Holy Spirit primarily through his word. Without God's word at the center of all of it, well, nothing makes sense. See, last week's and this week's study in Experiencing God says that God speaks to us through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church. But see, God's word is the key to all of it. 
Because there's no way you're going to even know what to pray, much less hear God through prayer without being in his word. See, we can't accept the truth spoken over us from the church without the revelation of truth by the Holy Spirit through his word. I can stand up here all day long and tell you what is right and what is wrong. But if it isn't grounded in the word of God, then it will have no effect on you at all. God's word is essential to all understanding. There's no way, there's no way that you can see what God is saying to you through your circumstances if you're not grounded in his word. Because sometimes we get so focused on the circumstances that we find ourselves completely missing out on what God has in store for us right where we are. In the midst of our circumstances, are we able to see from God's perspective? See, it's imperative that we do because it's only God's perspective that matters. It's only from his perspective that we're able to see the truth of our circumstances. Does anybody know the memory verse for the week? Anybody brave enough to say that? Anybody know it? Volunteers? Bueller? Bueller? Nobody? All right, well, I'll read it to you. Maybe. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. John 5, 19. See, Jesus had the father's perspective. He was able to look at whatever circumstances surrounded him and see where his father was working and he simply joined him in that work. Well, I say simply, but it isn't always so simple. See, hours before Jesus is to be arrested and taken away to be beaten, tried, and executed, he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he knows all that's about to befall him. He knows the pain and the suffering he's about to endure. Yet because he has this deep, intimate relationship with the Father, he is able to see the work that the Father is getting ready to do at this time. And even though his prayer is, Father, take this cup from me, because he sees from the Father's perspective, he's also able to say, your will be done, not mine. See, we have to see where God is at work, even in our circumstances, and join him there. Even if it doesn't immediately make sense to us, even if we don't immediately have all of our questions answered, even if it requires sacrifice on our part, we change our plans for God's plans. See, once I was able to let go of my anger and I calmed down, I began to realize that God was at work and what we thought was our worst nightmare come true. See, God had a plan. It wasn't our plan, I can tell you that. Because the truth was, we were ready to take Alex and flee the country. And that isn't a lie. We highly considered taking him and running to Mexico. But God had a different thing in mind for us. And as my prayers started to change from accusing God and asking why to God, what do you want to do in this? My perspective began to shift as well. And God brought to me, through his word, the story of Abraham and Isaac. And he was asking me to trust him with my son, just as Abraham did with Isaac. And I don't know how to tell you, I don't know how to tell you that that's what he was asking me to do, only that the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart, and only the way that he knows how to do it. 
And I knew in that moment, I knew in that moment I needed to give control of the situation over to God. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. God didn't reveal that to me. He didn't answer that. I just knew that I had to trust him. And I remember vividly saying to God, okay, okay, God, he's yours. He's yours. If you choose to take him away, it will be by your hand and not by man's. If you choose to take him away, it will be for your purpose, which I probably won't understand, but I will trust you no matter what happens. And after that, I was at peace with it. Again, I can't tell you how, but in the midst of this terrifying event, I had peace. Not unconcerned. It's not that I wasn't unconcerned. I was still concerned. I just had peace. Now, all that didn't happen in a day. It was a process, and it took a few days for me to get into a position to hear what God had to say. But I'd never, I would have never been able to do it. I would have never been able to see what God was doing in my circumstances if it wasn't for God's word, if I wasn't in prayer, and if I wasn't surrounded by a church family. We literally had thousands, and I mean thousands of people praying for us as we waited for the results of the paternity test. They were negative, by the way, if you didn't know. But we had our church family speaking truth over our lives, and they walked with us through the process. And I can honestly say we couldn't have done it without them. God spoke as clearly through them as he did through his word and through our prayers. See, in our study this week, Blackaby talks about spiritual markers And looking back, both Ashley and I can clearly see that this is what God was doing in our lives through this trial. Because it's been over 16 years since all of this unfolded. And it's still impactful to me today. And I would say that it is foundational to our trust in God. And it was a major turning point in the direction of our lives. And I believe with all my heart, if it weren't for what God did then in that event, I wouldn't be in ministry today. Because I don't think I could have made that jump without this spiritual marker to look back on. And honestly, there are a lot of trials in my life that I don't know if I could have made it through without this spiritual marker to look back on. So what is God saying in your current circumstances? And I don't just mean troubling times, because not all circumstances are negative. Not all circumstances are trials. Maybe things are growing really well for you right now. What's God saying to you in your current circumstances? Just because things are going well doesn't mean that God isn't speaking to you. It isn't just in the bad times that God's trying to get our attention. Even in the good times, the process is still the same. You ground yourself in God's word. You position yourself to hear from him. You seek him out and ask him to show you his will for your life. And then you see where he's at work and you join him in that work. Don't plan it out yourself. Wait until you hear from him clearly and know what to do. But be ready to adjust your plans. Be ready to change your plans for his plans. Maybe your circumstances are just confusing to you and you don't know what to make of them. Listen, I'm not saying it's always easy and it's always clear. We don't understand God's ways and we often struggle with trying to understand why God allows us to go through the situations we find ourselves in. Sometimes we think we know exactly what he wants from us, and as we move in that direction, circumstances change, and 
we find ourselves lost and alone and confused and hurt and you name it. I get that. I do. I get it. I understand. I didn't immediately have clarity when we went through this trial with Alex. But I did hold on to some truths. One is I never doubted God's love for me or for Alex. Yes, I was angry at first, but God can handle that. But eventually, I came back to the spiritual marker of what Christ did on the cross for me. So God's love was never in question. was never in question. Second, I prayed and waited. I prayed and waited. And sometimes waiting is the hardest thing to do. But I waited until God made things clear to me. I trusted in his sovereign plan. And I continued to seek him out until he brought peace to the situation. Even if he didn't answer every question. Because he didn't. He didn't answer every question. But I waited until he spoke on the matter. So if you're currently going through some bad circumstances and the outlook doesn't look so good right now, here's the question I have for you. What will you do? Will you take matters into your own hands? Will you give up? Will you turn away from God? Or will you move forward knowing that even in your uncertainty, even in your suffering, even in your confusion, that God can use all of it for something great? Proverbs 6, 9 says, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We may have great ideas and great plans for our lives, but what will we do when our life does a 180 and things don't turn out the way we thought they would? Are you willing? Are you willing to let God direct your path? Are you willing to submit yourself to him in order to see things from his perspective? And are you willing to allow him to change your plans for his And if things are going good for you, are you still seeking God? Are you still willing to trade your plans for his? Even if it looks like you'd be moving from good times to scary times. Because there's never a time that we shouldn't be actively listening to God for his direction. I said this at the beginning. I believe that God is always speaking. The question is, will we be willing to listen to what he has to say even through our circumstances, both good and bad. Band, you guys can come up. No matter what you're going through today, I want you to know this. I want you to know that you do not have to go through it alone. See, God is with you, and so is your church family. If you need somebody to talk to or somebody to pray with, I'm going to be over at the next steps. There's other good people over there who would love to pray with you as well. I'm not saying that we're going to have all the answers. Only God has the answers. But see, we're called to carry each other's burdens, and we're not meant to go through life alone. We're just not. Did you know that God speaks through his church as well as he speaks through the word? He uses the church to bring truth, comfort, and encouragement to his children. So whatever you're going through, whatever's burdening you, maybe even things are good, and you're just like, man, I've got this decision. I really don't know what to do. If you need prayer, if you need somebody to listen, somebody to talk to, we'll be over there. You respond however God leads you as the band plays. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you speak to us through your word. I thank you that your word is comforting and brings peace. God, I know circumstances sometimes are tough and it's hard for us to go through life and make sense of things, but God, we want to trust in you. And so my prayer is, God, that we would always be in a position to hear 
what you're doing, to see where you're working, to trust in your plan and not our plan, God. Help us to do that and walk in trust, in love, and in relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.